Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Shirley Brown, and I serve as a shepherding deacon in our congregation. And this is my granddaughter, Maddie. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it as we prepare for worship, and let us bow our heads in prayer. God of grace, you have given us minds to know you, hearts to love you, and voices to sing your praise. Fill us with your spirit that we may celebrate your glory and worship in spirit and in truth through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
rise for call to worship. <coughs> o come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Let us worship God.
There is nowhere we can go that is apart from him and nothing that can separate us from his love for us in Christ Jesus. When we confess our sins, it is not God who discovers our sinfulness, but rather our eyes that are opened to the presence of those sins, and we begin the journey toward healing and reconciliation. So let us confess our sins to God, confident in his amazing love for us. Let us pray. O oh God, we confess that we have accepted the world's wisdom as our guide. We have been impressed by the power of weapons and the importance of high positions. We measure worth by the number of possessions we command. We have been unkind in our speech and uncaring in our deeds. We have doubted the power of the cross to save. Turn us around, holy God, that we might be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Scripture tells us that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Our God never fails to fulfill his promises and keep his word. Therefore, I declare that you are forgiven. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. state what we believe using the words of that ancient creed that is eternally true. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us all greet our neighbors in the love of Christ.
Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. We're glad you are here. Thankful that you have made your way on this beautiful day to come and worship our good Lord who has provided us this beautiful day. So we're thankful for that among many other things. And we hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome. If you are a first time visitor, we especially welcome you. We would love to get to know who you are. Uh, there'll be a friendship pad, right? Going past you at some point in time. So grab those at the end of the pew and pass those along. And we hope that that will be a spark for somebody in your pew to welcome you by name and perhaps to invite you for a little cup of coffee afterwards underneath the tree. You got to go out underneath the tree. It's just such a beautiful day. And there will be lots of play things for you to consider while you're underneath the tree that are listed in your bulletin. So we encourage you to take note of all the many things that are happening here at Church of the Palms and how you can be a part. Uh, there is just so many things that we can do together and we hope that you'll join us for that. A couple things to keep in mind. We are still receiving our student sponsorship uh, support and we're grateful for all of you who have participated in that already. We can still use your help. We're still a ways away from our goal. So uh, be mindful of that. Perhaps you'll go online and you'll make a contribution that way or you'll call the church office. We'll get you a pledge card, but we would love to have you uh, help us out with that. But there is a dinner dance a dinner and dance for those of you who are part of that uh, program and we'd love to invite you to that that's on february the 25th just a couple weeks from now and uh, that should be a, a good time so uh, let that be an encouragement for you uh, the next day on the 26th of february we are de delighted to be inviting and having here kent tridle who is uh, a wonderful wonderful organist comes from comes to us from the new york philharmonic orchestra and uh, the American Symphony, and we are delighted that he will be here uh, on the afternoon of the 26th of February. You do not want to miss this uh, incredible uh, musician, and uh, you will be inspired by his playing. So we're delighted and honored to have him here with us that day. And we are also delighted and honored to be the host site. Some of you read this in the newspaper. The host site every Tuesday, every the second and fourth Tuesdays of each month. Uh, the host site for the food pantry for the veterans of our country. Uh, those who are in need of food assistance will be coming here to Church of the Palms as an extension of our food ministry uh, out on the parking lot. And we are delighted that we'll be able to host them, provide them some sustenance and some food as they have need uh, throughout the course of the year. And that will be ongoing each month, twice a month. So we're thankful for Kathy Robinette and her inspiration and thoughtfulness around that and delighted that we can do so. We are also delighted to have Linda Spoolstra with us today. Come on up, Linda. We are in the generosity season and uh, we have been taking time to wonder about our gratitude. We don't give out of obligation here. We give out of our thankfulness, and in particular, our thankfulness for what Church of the Palms is doing, not only in the world, but also in our own lives. And we're delighted to have Linda Spoolstra, and she and her husband Jerry have been a part of our church for many, many years, but we're delighted that you are here to share with us your story. Hi, I am Linda Spoolstra, and I think you probably noticed there's an REV in front of my name. I'm actually an ordained minister. Uh, I, I think even when you retire, you're still an ordained minister. And in uh, two, late 2011, my husband Jerry and I uh, moved to Sarasota. We had been traveling in retirement in a motor home all over the United States, and I mean all over. You ask us, have you been there? We'll probably say yes, but we didn't go to Hawaii and Alaska. <laughs> so. We found Sarasota and we thought this might be the place. Maybe we'll move here from New England. So we did and everything worked out fantastically. And we started looking for a church home. Now I have to confess something. and I don't know quite how to describe it. I think I'll let you decide. But I'm sort of um, fussy when it comes to picking a church. I, it was my, you know, usually God called me and led me to a place of ministry. I was in ministry for 37 years in five different positions. Jerry and I had many opportunities to go around to churches in Sarasota, and we actually started here at Church of the Palms on a Sunday, probably in early January. And first of all, we were blown away by the size. We had spent our adult life in New England where a church if it has a hundred in worship, is big. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
All right. So we came here, and there's all these people. Oh, my goodness. And then I was in a different role, not being engaged in the ministry of the church. So we thought it was too big for us. Church of the Palms, very nice, but too big. So we went looking around to this church and that church. We visited a total of seven. And we went at least once, two, three, four, sometimes as much as seven or eight times. Holy Week came around, and we still hadn't made up our mind where to join and where was God leading us. A friend said, you know, Church of the Palms, it's Church of the Palms, maybe you should go back and try, try it out again. Well, by then we had been kind of getting used to our, our place here, and we came back to this church, and what happened was the worship of the people was so inspiring. So I just want to say thank you to all of you because we sit usually in, in this section over here. We came in, I remember the Maundy Thursday service, and there was a man playing the bass, and he had this somber sound that was perfect. And I got the sense that people were here not to go through the motions, but to worship God together. And it wasn't long before we decided this was going to be our church home, and we actually joined. It was Mother's Day, I remember, 2012, and we've never looked back. My home place for ministry in this church is the bell choir. Sometimes you have no idea what retirement is going to bring to you. I never knew I was going to enjoy it so much. And thank you to Genevieve and all my fellow bell ringers. We have a great time, and we really enjoy playing for you. So I hope you enjoy it when we come about once a month and, and seek to add to the service. But one of the things that's been a joy about being in this church is the opportunities to serve. And I've kind of uh, swore off committees. I, I went to a lot of committee meetings in 37 years. And, and so I don't like to go to committee meetings anymore. But I do love to be involved in ministry, like the ministry of the bell choir, the day of hope, sleeping overnight at the church, uh, going to um, the, through Family Promise, and now I'm going to a discipleship class. Yes, I said, oh, I'd like it in the morning. And then Carolyn told me, we're going to start at 7. I'm retired, I said to myself. The Lord said you must do this. <laughs> so here I am, and this is a, a time to talk about generosity. I like that word. I like to think that I'm striving with God's help to be and become a more generous person. Wow, that's pretty impressive, isn't it, that we can become generous people. There are times, and I have to confess, when I want to hold on to what I have. Uh, a little fear maybe comes in. You know, maybe, maybe we'll have a recession again. It'll affect my retirement. Maybe I'll get sick and need my money. And every time that happens, the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, have faith, trust in God, open up, and be generous. And so an amazing thing has happened with the capital campaign, the Palm Center. Back in the 70s, when I started to work at a church, I was the director of community outreach on the north side of Chicago. I hadn't even thought of going to seminary at that point. And that church had a gymnasium that was built in about 1959. And part of my ministry was to oversee all the volunteer programs there, basketball leagues, volleyball, roller skating, Halloween parties. And I think about that, all the people that gave money to make that happen, and I never knew most of them. Here now is our opportunity, I said, full circle in my life to give money for another multi-purpose building for ministry. What a joy. What a wonderful thing to be able to do. You know, Jerry and I were sailors. We sailed for over 30 years. And in New England, it gets very windy. And we would have to go into a, a, a harbor sometimes and put our anchor out and hope that with the wind and the waves, that anchor would hold. I look at being a part of this church family is my anchor in my life. And I just want to 
challenge you, when you have those feelings, I just don't know if I could be as generous as I would like. Remember, God is worthy of our trust. I can tell you it's true. And when I was a teenager, I took a verse, two verses, into my life, and they still resonate for me. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Learned it in the King James Version. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Thank you, God. mission team to come forward. Come on up and stand in the chancel here. I failed to mention that we will be receiving our commitments on the 26th of February. That's in two weeks. You can go right up there if you care. And uh, we encourage you, you'll be receiving a pledge card in the mail, I believe, this week. And we would love for you to bring that with you in two weeks from now so that you can make your commitments to Church of the Palms. Come on up, gang. Good, good. Well, we are delighted to have before us uh, for commissioning our good friends here who are heading off to Honduras this Saturday. Actually, we're sending two teams of mission workers 
this coming week uh, to be at work in Honduras. First time ever we're sending a medical mission team and they will be going to El Basano, which will be a, is a little village uh, about an hour or so away from El Progreso and they will be providing basic health care to villagers who perhaps have not ever received any health care. And uh, who's all going on that trip? Could you raise your hands? One, two, three, excellent, wonderful. And uh, on page seven, you will see the names of all these people, so you can note that. And then the rest of our team, the construction team, raise your hands, excellent, wonderful. And they will be working at a local orphanage there in El Progreso, and will be uh, making furniture and doing building repairs and such. So this is, uh, this is God with skin on, right? This is the work of God with people uh, coming, bringing their lives and their time and their energy to make a difference in people's lives. And more importantly, through them to reveal the light and grace of Jesus Christ so that others may come to know of the God of love that we know in Jesus Christ. So that is why we're so excited to be commissioning you and sending you forward into this very important adventure. We're delighted that we continue in this great partnership with Honduras and uh, with our friends there and coming alongside of them as we seek to make a difference in the world and bring the light of Christ to bear upon all those. So to that end, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks that you are a God of love and grace and you are a God of commission. You are the God of the Great Commission that we would be sent into the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it is in that vein and that spirit that we send forth these people, commissioning them into another part of the world that they can be uh, the the great um, encouragement that they yearn to be such that through them, people will see that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So we pray your blessing upon them that they may know, O oh Lord, that uh, you are with them, that you are inspiring them, that you are filling them with your Holy Spirit, and that through them, you are doing a good work. We're grateful for this, Lord, because we know in this world, there is such a desperate need for us to be uh, God with skin on, and we're grateful that you call us not just to places like Honduras, but you call us to all corners of the world. You call us even into our backyards. And we pray, Lord, that as we commission these people, that we would sense in our own lives, our own commissioning to wherever it is that we're called, that we can truly be your people in the world and that the world may see through us that you are a loving God, a gracious God, and a God which is, wishes to put heaven into our hearts. So we ask, Lord, that you will bless them and we encourage them and let them know always of our prayers and bring them back safely with great stories to tell of what you are doing in, through them and through the world. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Give these folks a round of applause, would you? And let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings.
given us gifts aplenty. You have been generous to us. We want to respond to the call to be your faithful stewards, and with love and with praise for you, we commit these gifts to you, thinking and planning to be your servants in any way you call us, and we give you the praise for this generosity of our people. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. And we're going to invite the children and Carol to come down. Here we come. All different places. Here we come. <laughs> hey, you were always first. So, I have a question for you all. Does anyone know what it means to proclaim something? You want to tell something out loud to proclaim it. You want, if you, to proclaim something is to, if you know the truth about something, to proclaim it, to say it out loud like you know it to be true. When you know something to be true and you know something really good, don't you want to tell somebody about it? Yeah, don't you? Yeah. You want to say it out loud like you know it. It's kind of cool. Well, today we're talking about a guy who was sent by God. He was a special messenger that wanted to proclaim something very important to people. But he was kind of different, really different, actually. He, um, he was sent by God as a messenger. He, was, he wore funny clothes, camel hair clothes. He ate locusts and bugs. He lived alone in the desert. And he was really smart. And he listened to God. He was a special messenger telling people. He came to tell people to get ready because somebody really special was coming. Who am I talking about? Does anybody know who I'm talking about? Mm, close. It's John the Baptist. Remember him? He was kind of different. He was really different. But he came as a special messenger to tell people that Jesus was the, the Messiah and he was going to heal the sick and the lost. God, you see, God uses all kinds of different people to bring the message of Jesus to others. Did you know that? Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Zoom, zoom, whoosh, 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 whoosh. Whoop-a-doo. Hi, little there, everybody. <laughs> hey, guys, look it up. This is a special friend of mine. I want to introduce you to him. His name is... Walter William Wackleberry III. <laughs> wow, is that your whole name, Wally? It sure is my whole name, but most people call me Wacky Wally for short. <laughs> why, why, why did they call you Wacky Wally? I don't know. I'm not sure why they call me Wacky Wally. Hmm. <laughs> Well, what makes you so wacky, Wally? What, what, why are you wacky? Okay, well, my favorite food is peanut butter and Cheetos sandwiches. I am deathly afraid of green socks, and I love, I mean love, 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 love post-it notes. <laughs> you, lo you love post-it notes? I sure do. Well, that's kind of interesting because, you know what? 
we are starting a brand new series up in kids' worship called Post-it Notes from God. Post-it notes from, from God? That's right. You know how we're always writing things on post-it notes, giving messages to people? Well, this is a series that we're starting. If God were to write a post-it note to us, what would he write to us on a post-it note? Wow, that sounds fantastic. <laughs> well, <laughs> can I go? <laughs> well, if you'd like to join us, <laughs> we're going to go up in kids' worship. You can meet us up there. We'll meet you wow. up in kids' worship. I would love to do that. Thanks, guys, so much. Bye. Yeah. Beep, beep, the doodly doo. <laughs> <laughs> that was a different kind of messenger. <laughs> That is an interesting kid. <laughs> um, anyway, so God does use all kinds of messengers in different ways to tell the good news of Jesus and how he came to save us. And um, he would even maybe leave us a post-it note. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the interesting people in our lives. Thank you that you um, have special messengers, ways to bring God's love to us in curious and fun, wonderful ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 7, verses 18 through 28. Luke 7, 18 through 28. We are still in the series of greater or bigger than you. Let us hear 
God's word to us. The disciples of John reported all these things to Jesus. So John summoned two of his disciples and sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? When the men had come to him, they said to Jesus, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, are you the one who is to come or are we to wait for another? Jesus had just then cured many people of diseases, plagues, and evil spirits, and had given sight to many who were blind. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind received their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who takes no offense at me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who put on fine clothing and live in luxury are in royal palaces. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John. Yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God and our Redeemer. Amen. Our scripture lesson today contains a paradoxical verse. Jesus said, I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John, yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than John. My father gave me my definition of true greatness. He served in the military, was the husband of a beautiful village princess, that would be my mother, and had six children. Yeah, I know, I don't look like her. And <laughs> their old friends have told me so. So uh, my father was a father of six children. I am the oldest. He loved to cook and entertain and help others regardless of their religion, race, or economic background. He was a founder of a Presbyterian church in the city, and he loved God. He was a lay preacher and lover of the Psalms. He was generous, loyal, content, grateful, humble, wise, but unfortunately, he was also a very heavy smoker and died of lung cancer at age 51. I would like to share the stories of a few people I personally know who live truly great lives. Mother Teresa, my lifelong hero, she was, and she was great because she cared for the poorest, the sickest, the most unwanted and abundant children and adults. She saw the face of Jesus in everyone she helped, and she brought everything to God in prayer. The whole of India called her mother. She was named a saint last year by the Vatican, but to me, she had been a saint all of my life. Mahatma Gandhi was famous for leading India to independence. Okay, so I never met Mahatma Gandhi. I'm not quite old enough to have met him. Just that I feel like I have, and I wish I did. To me, he was great because he used only non-violent methods to lead his country to independence. Bibeli, as my husband remembers her as the praying lady. She was one of my mother's closest friends who watched me grow up. She was not much of a talker or a teacher. Her ministry was to stay in her home, listen for the need of others, and pray. 
She prayed for hours every day. Whenever I visited, she would greet me and would have, we would have tea. Then she would listen attentively to me with everything that I have to say. When I asked, she would put her hand on my head and she would pray out loud for me. Every time I left her, I felt closer to God than when I arrived. Once I left for college at age 18, she started praying for me every single day. She has prayed daily for every congregation I have served, including all of you at Church of the Palms. And when I got married, she started praying for my husband every day. <laughs> she knew me, you know. <laughs> so the poor guy, he's married to me. Letty Russell was an ordained Presbyterian clergywoman a leading theologian and professor at Yale Divinity School. Her passion, apart from her daily work, was to teach women in patriarchal cultures that God's love and grace was equally for everyone, every human. She loved to teach that God's love for women and girls are exactly the same as for men and boys. She helped women from all around the world find our voices. She was so patient, even she managed to educate me when I was a lot younger and a lot more stubborn than I am now. Owen Glenn Morris, we call him Glenn, was one of the most senior and distinguished engineers in NASA. He led the team that designed the Apollo, Apollo Lunar Lander and later figured out how to have the space shuttle be um, on the back of Boeing 747. It was on Glenn's word that the Lunar Lander was used as a life craft when Apollo 13 crisis happened. It kept the astronauts safe until they could be brought home. But what makes Glenn really great is he was a mission committee chair and an elder in the church, and his biggest passion was how to spread the good news of the gospel to all God's children around the world. Rick Arnold, whom we call as Ricky, is an astronaut who made a voyage to the space station. To me, he's great because he taught an elementary age children in very um, underdeveloped places like Arian Jaya, island of a remote island in Indonesia and Papua New Guinea and all those other places. And also, Ricky became a shepherding deacon along with his wife. Lee Green is one of our own Church of the Palms family members. Lee is great to me because he is famous as a leader on a team of medical chemists who won Nobel Prize. He's great to me not because, only not because of that, he has chosen to volunteer here as a memorial service coordinator and a tutor in our tutoring program and a shepherding deacon. Do you notice a theme here? <laughs> He's great to me because Lee is grateful for his life and for grace in his life. In his case, the grace in his life really is literally his wife, Grace. As my father taught me, true greatness for me does not have to do with status or power. It has to do with character, value, faith, and service. Our scripture passage today helps us understand how Jesus saw greatness. In this passage, John the Baptist is presented as a humble prophet who cares that everyone hears about God's love and grace. When Jesus talks about John, he says John is the messenger who presents the Messiah to the world. He is the greatest of those born of women, Jesus said. John was content to have a secondary role. He did not see himself as the greatest. John only wanted to point everyone toward the one who is to come, that is Jesus. Jesus says that John's role and useful greatness belong to the past. 
He challenges us to a new greatness that is greater than that of John's. John asked Jesus, are you the one who is to come? In answering John, Jesus defines true greatness for us. Jesus' greatness was not in the title, the one who is to come. His greatness was in how he helped those in need. Jesus says, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. It is repeated again in the gospel according to Luke chapter 10, verse 27, when Jesus says what we must do to inherit eternal life. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is saying that true greatness does not lie in the fame we receive, but in the service we give as we love God and we love our neighbor. Our neighbors include those most in need of help. No condition is placed on who is our neighbor. It makes no difference to Jesus as to a neighbor's country of origin, a race, wealth, health, or religion. John and Jesus lived and ministered in a particular time and place. We live today in a very difficult time, yet we need for Jesus' kind of true greatness has not changed. As an immigration citizen of this nation, the language I now hear sometimes in this nation is scary to me. I love this country. I chose to become a citizen. I want this country to be great the way Jesus defines greatness, where people out of their love for God love those most in need of love. I love this church and give thanks to God for calling me to work alongside you in offering distinctively Christian care. Together we love and help for those in need locally and globally. I invite all of us to continue to give generously for the glory of God. When we focus our love on helping those most in need, we will find paradoxically, that it is our love for the least that makes this church big. It makes it bigger than you, bigger than me, bigger than the sums of all of us together. It makes the church the body of Christ in the world. Truly great. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Now go in peace, love and serve the Lord by serving and loving all you meet in God's name, in word and deed. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen. Amen.